0: Well, uh, we'll thank Megan for some upbeat music on a gray and rainy day on the East Coast here. Uh, welcome, everyone, and um, to DLN's Expert Access. Uh, this is our series in which we take a look at what we think are important, practical, and relevant topics uh, for architecture and design firms uh, in conversation with leading experts in this subject that we picked for the month. Uh, today, we're going to look at the area of website design for architecture and interior design firms. And so we have a lot of, lots of cover. So I'm going to get right to introducing our guests here. Uh, first is Susanna Sharbin, who is the founder of Beaux Arts. It's a creative agency that caters to a range of lifestyle driven businesses, but she has a particular focus on the home furnishings industry. Uh, she has a global client base and works across a wide range of creative areas, uh, not just uh, websites, but... Um, portfolios and uh, other aspects of uh, brand um, materials for uh, her clients. And then um, our second expert is Tom a uh, founder of Dyad. Uh, Dyad focuses exclusively on the architecture and interior design and landscape industries. Uh, he's been a teacher at the University of Arts um, and runs a workshop at Moore College of Art. Uh, And he, uh, the reason we selected these two is that they both are uh, really working day-to-day with architecture and design firms uh, to develop their brands and specifically their um, websites. And so um, please join me in welcoming Tom and Susanna. Uh, So we're going to jump right into this. And um, I thought I would start out with uh, maybe a high-level question. We'll start to drill down from kind of maybe why into the mechanics of building websites. And I thought I would start with a question that was posed recently by our friends at AD Pro, which said, essentially, do we need websites anymore? And uh, the reason I think they were provoking this question was that it seems with all eyes on Instagram, we wanna ask ourselves, you know, is this an area that we should be investing in relative to other choices we have to make? And so I'll start with Susanna and just say, How important is a website in a time where social media seems to dominate the conversation?
1: Um, Sure. So, um, I mean, we would argue that a website is very important. Um, I think Instagram is an amazing channel to tell um, part of the story of your brand and give a glimpse into the type of work that you're doing. Um, And while it's a great channel in that respect, it, doesn't really provide the same gravitas as a website. Um, It also, I think can only provide a top level look into your brand. Whereas with a website, we have the opportunity to um, really cultivate an entire home for your brand um, and to delve deeper into the authentic stories behind you know, who may, what kind of comes together to drive your aesthetic, the type of projects you do, the type of clients that you work with. Um, So I guess Instagram is a little like the magazine cover that gives you the headlines. And then the website is the actual magazine where we get to delve into it in a a greater depth.
0: Yeah, interesting. Tom, uh, how would you answer the same question?
2: Well, I agree. And I think that, with a website, you get to control more. You get to control the whole aesthetic. So um, while you could have on Instagram, you can have your feed and your stories, things are kind of disposable and you're kind of um, um, dictated by their format, which is this grid format. So let's say you don't want a grid format. Let's say you want to do things differently, movement, color palette, typography. So you really get to build, I think, a whole impression of kind of who you are, not just delivering the work.
0: You
2: right, can interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing I do wanna
0: mention, um, I, I wanted to say this in my introduction, but I'm very proud to say that both Susanna and Tom are members of the DLN. And so uh, they're really part of our community. So it gives us great pleasure to be able to, you know, feature their comments, not just because of their expertise in this area, but also, you know, to have their expertise within our community. Uh, So I forgot to mention that before and I wanted to to say that here. Um, I'd love to just, you know, let's assume that we're going to all need and want to build websites. And I think your comments uh, are totally appropriate about the difference between a social experience and what happens on on your site. Can you just talk about this, the the nature of the commitment to build and maintain a site uh, based on your experience with your clients? And maybe I'll ask Tom to go first. How big a deal is this to sort of, know, really make, make this something that's important as part of your strategy and, and thinking about it as an investment of time and money
2: from the client's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of clients initially, psychologically, it's ginormous because they're thinking, Oh my God, I have to invest in this. Okay. And that's a time investment. Um, but I think that, um, Some people get paralyzed in the beginning because it brings up issues. Not so much, do I have the assets? Do I have the photography? Is the photography good enough? Do I have the text? Do I need a writer? Do you have the writer? You know, all of those things, but it invariably brings up the question which becomes quite existential. Well, who am I? What should I put out there? what are other people putting out there? So I think that self-reflection can, I mean, pops up right away and it stumps people sometimes. And for me, the answer is always there. Okay. But it's, I think, I think it's about people willing to see that and willing to express that.
0: Hmm. I'll, I'm gonna, I have a follow-up question, but I wanna ask, you know, Susanna, just to comment broadly on the nature of the commitments that clients have to undertake or you see them undertaking to go through the process
1: um I think I think uh, Tom's right um, most of our clients um, start the process with similar feelings. Um, I think sometimes um, People uh, underestimate the time commitment in that they'll decide that they'll, they'll wait to do a new website until there's an, an immediate need. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a piece of press coming out, um, or they're, you know, into be part yeah. of a show house, or they're launching a new line of furniture. Um, and they think of it more as something that they, a box that they've got to check on the to do list, rather than it being actually. Uh, enjoyable, fulfilling creative process. Um, And so I think the most stressful uh, web commitments for our clients are when they have left it a bit too late. um, And it becomes a rush to the finish line, rather than uh, creative exploration, of who the brand is and who they want to be going forward. Um, and also a business strategy conversation around like what, how is the website going to be a tool to help your business grow? Um, so I think time commitment is something to be aware of. Start, start the process sooner rather than later, even if you're just reaching out and talking to agencies to find out who you want to work with. Just get started, get, get thinking about it. Um, I think the other commitment um, that's good to consider is resources in terms of um, like people management and bandwidth capacity. So um, what we find with a lot of our projects that are specifically for interior designers and architects is that your month to month has ebbs and flows in terms of when you're busy when you're not busy when you've got the creative bandwidth to actually be thinking about this um and the the reality is the the process has to be fairly organic to fit in with your timelines of when you're available to give the time to it so so there's that and then also just people, resources internally to collect your images um, together and think about what projects you want to have on the site. It's it's really good to um, think about doing the site, not just as you, the principal of the firm, but maybe you've got an internal team or another person that's going to support you, you know, with the day-to-day creation of it.
0: You're, you're like uh, racing through my questions here about process, <laughs> but... Um, I know Tom wants to say something here, so let's let Tom jump in and then I, I have more follow up questions as well. And I'll also say, you know, f- for the group out here listening, um, you know, the QA button, we're going to track that closely and we'll be answering questions along the way
2: and certainly at the end as well. And thanks. And I think just to touch on that, to think of it as a reaction to something, I think is the wrong way to think about it. Okay, so sometimes people will call, you know, oh, it doesn't work on my phone or I can't update it or there's the, 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 the information's old or that's, you know, usually there's a problem, right? And therefore it's a reaction to that problem. And I think the better way, I think just to dovetail what Suzanne is saying is that think about it in a broader way over a longer span of time to say, this is a presentation of who we are and what the firm is and where we are in the market. Now, what is that and how do we build that? So right right now, everyone's busy, right? So people are too busy to even be dealing with this. So there's kind of this almost manic quality or nature to like, oh my God, let's do this, let's do this. But it's all good, everyone's busy. We've got great, so take your time, you know?
0: Yeah, interesting, well, I have so many questions, but I'm gonna go back to what both of you said, you were very focused on the time commitment that's involved and the resources within the firm dedicated to this. I'm surprised that neither of you said that budget is an issue in the conversation with clients about building, either updating an existing site in a material way or building a new site.
2: Well, in terms of, I think in terms of thinking about budget, I think a good way to think about it is I'm spending X amount on on this site, okay? Which means collecting assets, generating them, designing it, programming, et cetera. But I think it's also good to think that you are putting aside X amount of money. That's your marketing budget, okay, per year. This thing is living and breathing. You always have to update it, add to it. So it's not a one and done kind of thing. I think that's Mm -hmm. the wrong way to think about it because I think what happens oftentimes people will say, well, how often should I update my website or change it? How long does it last, right? Well, it's a living, breathing thing. So sometimes the technology is shifting and changing, but oftentimes the firm is shifting and changing, but also users and people and human nature is shifting and changing. Yeah. So those things are all in flux. So we see it kind of as this living, breathing animal that you're always yeah. touching and moving and changing and adding.
0: I always the way I describe it often uh, for myself, and I'll just share this: is that in our industry, we're so used to the "ta-da" moment—the unveiling of a house, an interior, a product launch, something like that—which has this sort of moment. And with websites, you have to have, I think, a mindset that says it's never done; it's constantly a working
2: process. Well, particularly for a lot of a lot of our clients who. Design and create these timeless environments. They're built for generations. It's mm. about legacy. It's you know, so it things last forever. But this is a very disposable environment where things are shifting and changing all the time. Yeah. So it's
0: Susanna. Did you want to add to this uh, conversation about um, you know time versus money and also the kind of um, way in which you think about interacting with your clients over time and managing their web experience
1: um, yeah you do um the bulk of the work is upfront on creating the initial website and getting the ta-da moment um but yeah it would be wrong to think that it's a one-off thing and you're not going to spend budget updating it in the future um i i will say though i mean we particularly put a lot of effort into creating sites that our clients can um, change and update themselves um, if they, if they want to, we have some clients who run the whole site themselves. And then we have others who really want nothing to do with it. And they come back to us for the updates. Um, But the technology behind the sites now means uh, we can, we can customize the skill, the abilities that you have to update this site in ways you, that you couldn't really even imagine. Um, we've got sites where the entire color palette of the site can be changed seasonally, so that um, if you're, you know, a, a landscape designer and you want to display. Um, photographs on the homepage that particularly relate to the season you're in, the entire background of the site can change to work as a backdrop to that photography. Um, and Ditto, like you're launching a new, an interior designer's is launching a new project and they want um, to um, the, the site palette to support the colors that are within those projects. So we do put quite a lot of time into thinking about how the website can be easily updated so that each time there's a, an evolution in the business, you don't have to completely redo it from scratch. Um, and if you pin down a, a great brand identity when you start the project, you can also evolve the site over time because you're already working in that framework of who the brand is. So those initial stages are, are helpful.
0: Just just so we can you know, just so we can help our members think about how to have a conversation with you know other you know whomever they're working with on web development. Can you just be a little bit more specific about the kinds of um, skills and experience that is required to sort of maintain the site when you're handing it over and there is the ability for the firm itself to manage some of this, uh, um, the content that lives behind the, you know, what we all experience when we go to the, to the URL.
1: Sure. So um, the management of the back end doesn't require any coding knowledge. Um, It's a bit like when you're uploading images or, you know, to uh, Instagram or Facebook, you just upload the image, um, add in the bit of copy. Um, A a great skill set to have is photo editing. So you can, you know, work within Photoshop to uh, make sure images are sized properly. Um that's the, the only specific skill set. Um, we train all of our clients in basic SEO um, as part of creating their website. So, so that's search engine optimization for anyone who's not familiar with the term. So we teach them how to optimize an image for search, um, how to input the right keywords into the backend so that they've got the, the basic skills that they need to maintain it.
0: You mean like captions and things like that?
1: Um, well, for example, um, for an image um, to um, come up in search, it needs to have the right file name and it needs to have um, something called an alt tag input. So we teach our clients what the, those file naming um, standards should be and you know where to put in an alt tag Um I mean, we could do a whole call just on search engine optimization. So, you know, I won't go into it in too much detail, but I'm happy to answer any other questions that come up
0: Yeah, Yeah, Tom, do you wanna talk a little bit about kind of, you know, this idea of um, what you hand off and how it's managed by clients over time? And then we're gonna kind of go all the way back to the beginning of
2: the process. Sure. I think um, what's interesting for us is I would say the vast majority of our clients don't want to update their website. They just don't want to bother. And I end up doing a lot of the updating. I can't program anything. And I think to Susanna's point, you know, it's about um, photo editing skills. So I think a lot of it's about editing, but it's updating things and uploading things. And that's pretty easy to do, but we find that most people just don't want to bother or they don't trust themselves in making the right decision or I think they just want our eyes on it, Mm -hmm. you know, should I pick this photo, that photo? What about this? What do you guys think? So a lot of our clients are looking to us to help them to make the right editorial decision. So they, they end up sending and emailing us most. So we do the vast majority of, of that update, even when we're handing over the keys, so to speak, we'll say thank you very much, but they actually never use those keys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's about giving everyone the choice. They are, you yeah. know, they should have the choice to do it, but then yeah. we're the same. Like we're always here and, and helping people. Um, we create a lot of e-commerce sites as well. So we yeah. have to. It's be a little free-
2: different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it would be too costly for them to, to um, have someone else managing yeah. it.
2: But
0: well, yeah. we're going to get to e-commerce in a minute. Um, here's what I'd like to think about is just so we're super clear in helping people to think about this? Because I'm assuming most people who have joined this call are contemplating some kind of investment in their current website. So I'm curious, maybe you can walk us through a couple things. One is, when people come to you, are they normally looking to have a completely new uh, experience on their site and you're starting from scratch? And what does that look like? Or are they looking to have you kind of take what they have and make it better? And is that a realistic thing to expect to happen? And then, you know, kind of along the way, is there, what are the big triggers that you experience? You know, we've talked about this a little bit, but when people come like, why are they coming to you? And we all, you know, you both said it's harder when they come kind of reactionary and late, uh, but what what, it's, what are the big things they're trying to achieve? And then uh, how how do we think about, you know kind of keeping this the sites alive over time. But let's start with the starting point. Like what what's really when people are coming to you, what's the impetus and what are you starting with?
2: Um I'll say that most people come to us because their existing site no longer represents who they are. Hmm. It represented who they who they were 5 years ago, 2 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 years ago. But it isn't what they're doing now and often the work that excites them the most, the the fabulous work is work that no one sees for a whole bunch of reasons, right? It's held up in publication or a client won't let it be released, but they're super excited about that. And when they're looking at what they have up now, it just kind of drags them down. So it's usually about that branding, thing if there's a disconnect and And just
0: to be clear it's there's the assets themselves the images that are being represented about the work
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: then there's the you know the kind of experience of the site itself meaning the navigation the look and feel of the pages when you say it's not representing what they are today are you talking about the projects that are posted or is it the look and feel of the site and its experience both Oh, Susanna do you want to you know take just help us where where people start with you
1: uh, I mean I I completely agree with Tom we have that's the conversation that we have with most of our clients interior designers and architects I think to expand on the whether it's the project images or the look and feel I think um uh web design trends and technology move really fast so it, it may be that um they feel that the the site um it looks too basic or it looks old-fashioned um sometimes uh f- smaller firm has started out with a simpler website which is what they can afford at the time and so they're getting to the point where they want to level up and they feel that um, when the websites look too simple too basic maybe too templated it's not attracting the clients that they want so they're getting too many inquiries from low budget clients um, and they feel that a more Luxurious, highly finished web experience will help attract the type of clients who want that same high end finish in their home.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, just to be specific, are you typically in each, in both, for both of you, starting from scratch, like let's just get on a new platform, let's build this from scratch, or are you finding yourself at times uh, working with an existing site?
2: It's always from scratch. Some of the assets certainly pre-exist, but we can't typically we can't even drag some of that stuff off the old website because it's not optimized correctly. It's too small. So oftentimes it's a struggle for, um, some clients for the older projects to get larger images to track that down. They haven't been keeping track of things. They don't know where it is you know it's you open the drawer and it's a big pile of junk in there you know so that typically (laughs) you know is is a struggle but it's hard i think because of technology that to use to build off of something that was created five years ago it's just it's just different you know so it's a little different than than renovating a house and let's say you know you design and built this house 10 years ago and it's awesome and it's built for, for, for generations and now you want to put an addition or you want to renovate the kitchen. The bones are still good. In webland, the bones usually are not good. And that's usually one of the problems,
1: especially for the developers to yeah. carry on with the analogy of the home renovation for them. It's like, you know, when the builders open up the wall and say, oh god there's rot in here we've <laughs> that's how developers feel about <laughs> opening up someone else's code they're like oh <laughs> um, we, i have to say we we do a mixture um, of um on the whole it's new sites there's times when it has to be an evolution like Uh, we're working with a large furniture brand right now and we have to do we have to work with their existing site and we do a phased evolution over time where we roll out the look at like look and new look and feel over a year so that's a, a bit of a different type of site in the past we've we, there's been a couple of interior design firms where, for whatever reason, they've really had to keep their old site, and we've had to we've had to design and build on top of it. And while they've been happy at the end, I think they've always felt like they wish they just started from scratch because. <laughs> it's not just the back end; it's also some of the front end. Like if we're gonna redo some pages, then we kind of have to stick with the same uh, navigation layout. There's some nuts and bolts to creating it that that we can't change. And I think sometimes that there's the feeling at the end that while it looks nice, it it might have actually been cheaper and faster to have just done it from.
2: Yeah,
0: always. This this may be a, um, you know, I don't know if this is sort of like I think for a lot of people, the web design, web building a website is like a complete black box. You know, if you're not involved in it all all the time, it just seems like it's a magical thing that developers can just press buttons and do. But I think the reality is most of these things are built on established, you know, uh, off the shelf platforms, right? Like uh, WordPress or Magento or you name the different uh, tool on which these things are built is can you just talk a little bit about kind of what this looks like? You're you're leveraging an existing kind of platform and then you're laying the experience you want to deliver on top of that, right? And can you maybe talk a little bit about what the choices are out there for uh, most architecture and design firms in terms of what this is all built on?
1: I'm not sure about you guys, but um, WordPress is definitely a big platform for us. Um, but uh, Word, uh, often when people think about WordPress, they think of the um, uh, templates that you buy. Um, so with WordPress, you we're creating completely custom designs. We're just using WordPress as the system to manage the backend. Uh, and we also customize the back end to make it intuitive and, and easy to use. Um, Carl, I, you guys the same?
2: If I can jump in for a second, I think there is confusion there with these pre-made themes, off the shelf themes. And in with our clients, they're in a custom environment. Everything is custom, you know? So I, I believe that their site needs to be custom. Yeah. So one scary story of a client Who hired a different firm, which will be unnamed, um, charged a fortune for a sixty-dollar off-the-shelf theme, and took their information and stuck it in the theme and said, "There you go." So I think, you know, which is horrifying. But you, in this customized world, it has to be a customized product because people can see it, they can smell it, you know. If it's a theme, it's just it's
1: huh. and then there's cool. no, and then it's not just the design that can that can be so much better on a custom site it's also we can make them faster we can better optimize the mobile experience um, we we can stay much more on top of um, the suggested updates that that mm-hmm. Google makes. Um, we can, you know, work towards basic compliance with things like the ADA. And then we can go fully compliant for some clients. It's just, it's the same, I guess, as whether you put up a modular house or whether you design and build your house from scratch. We've just got so much more control over what we can create.
2: Right. And, I, and I, um, think, I think particularly with uh, interior designers where they're used to customizing everything, that's their viewpoint. So to say that you can't do something, you know, it doesn't, um, they don't like that. You know, yeah. so if you take the approach where everything can be customized, you know, yeah. I think you get a more unique product in the end. And I think it also expresses and reflects who they are. So you know? I want to
0: try to continue to try to like peel back uh, what happens behind the scenes a little bit? So, I, I think I know both of you as principally like creatively driven designers. So that's a part of the process. Can you just to help us understand, like conceptually, when you start a project, you're creating a, you know, kind of a. What What are the steps so that we know? Because you know, we know that neither of you are um, doing the programming. Help us understand, like, what does your team look like to support a project? What what should people expect in terms of that? Are they mostly interacting with you? Or is there a, a other people on your team that are kind of getting close to the client so they are part of the process? And are you starting with, like, design concepts, wireframes? Uh, how, how do you, what what should people expect when they're interacting with someone who are helping them? So that they know that they're in the zone of getting something that is a quality that they might want.
2: I can We're start. Um, well, we start with a bunch of questions like what's wrong? Why are you doing this? You know, some of those, those types of things. Um, and we have them also look at their peers, competitors, um, mm-hmm. sometimes who they want to be when they grow up. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And that guides us, I think, creatively and aesthetically to, okay, perhaps they're saying this, sometimes that's the right direction. Sometimes they're saying this, but we think it should be this and this is why, okay? And we'll come up with a prototype, which is a programmed um, um, link, okay? So they could look at the whole thing because I think movement dissolves, a lot of that stuff I think has to be seen. So so this is
0: like using InVision or something like that?
2: Um, We program a, a prototype. Okay. So it looks pretty darn like click on it and it looks pretty darn good, okay? Because I think for us, we have to get people excited by it. If you show them something that's flat, if you show them something that has constraints, if you don't see that movement that dissolves, all the nuance, the beauty of it all, if you're not seeing that up front, it's hard to get your head around, but it's hard to get excited by it, right? So And who's,
0: who's doing this work is, do you have a, is it freelancers? Do you have a dedicated development team?
2: What's that look like? In our office, it's it's people within our office, so we don't outsource that. So we have four developers here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, another designer. So we design it, and then we program it. And because we're in one space, you know, the line between designing something and programming is so blurry. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sitting next to each other. Okay, one informs the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's then programmed, reviewed, and then once that's agreed upon, then you build the back end, you build the content management system, okay? And the client will be always working with me and invariably two other people in my office. Yeah,
0: uh, Suzanne, do you wanna uh, answer that same question?
1: Uh, Sure, yeah, so um, uh, all of our projects um, normally have four team members working on them, so that's myself, I lead every project, so all the communication is with me, Um, uh, another designer, um, a developer, and then a project operations and content manager. Um, my job is um, the creative direction of the project um, and the day-to-day management with the clients. So I'm the one at the start of the project, um, brainstorming with you, asking you know similar questions to um, the ones Tom laid out. Um, thinking about what's the business strategy behind the website, you know what's the aesthetics behind the the company. Um, Uh, then our content manager gets involved um, to talk to whomever on the client side is helping to put together um, all of the imagery Um, and they work together on uh, organizing the imagery getting it delivered to us to work with Um, when we start designing a project um, we normally present in around about three different concepts of what their site um, can look like. So we start off with, um, oh, and this is assuming we're not doing branding. So if we're just doing the website, um, we'll start with mood boards, color palettes, typography, explorations, we're all complete geeks about typography here. We love it. So we spend like a lot of time thinking, you know, about the right font. Um, and then we'll do mock-ups of like around about three different approaches, um, normally starting with the homepage. Um, we do both static and motion mock-ups um, so that we can show how movement will work. Then the clients normally will. They might love one concept right away, and so that's the one we roll with. Or they like aspects of two. Or maybe on the rare occurrence, maybe none of them work, and so then we go back to the drawing board and and we come up with more.
2: I'm sure that Um, doesn't
1: happen. (laughs) Occasionally, once. Uh, I'm not buying it. No, once in a while, but it's normally when the client. Thinks they like one thing but actually they like something totally different (laughs) that's that's normally like there's the occasional disconnect there um and then and then you're saying
0: designers are like regular people
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it happens actually you'd be surprised how many designers Um, struggle to think of how to creatively present themselves. You know, it's not like they don't know straight away. It requires some work to think it through. And then um, then once that initial design concept is decided on, then we roll out into designing all the pages on the site. It's very collaborative. There's like a lot of back and forwards. um, So, you know, their clients kind of get to feel like it's truly representative of them um uh, we envision to to present um you know and then and then it goes into build um, our develop our developers are in-house too like tom so that's nice because the developers get to review the designs as you go along and make sure yeah. everything can be built the way that we're imagining
0: yeah i'll, um, I'll make a comment there um, which is you know in my experience and i think you're both validating this that the link between the client the design and the actual developer is super important. And there's a lot of kind of notion of freelance and, oh, I'll just get these people to help me here and there. And you do lose something when the connections are not as tight. Yeah. And also over time, if you're continually uh, updating the site, having that team together, the continuity, I, I think, makes a difference as well.
2: Well, and, 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 I, and I think because of because the clients are creative people, They're in the creative uh, business, you know? So they're accustomed to participating and weighing in on all of those decisions. It's different than if you're making something for, I mean, which we don't, but for the financial sector or healthcare, where it's just, it's a different animal. So,
0: Uh, by the way, I am tracking the questions that are coming in and I'm also watching the clock. And so uh, we're gonna make sure we answer um, as many questions, if not all of them as possible. So keep them coming. Uh, I'm not ignoring them. Um, I'm looking to kind of um, find the right places to, to make sure we're covering covering the questions as well as um, keep the conversation going. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, features and functionality. So we're, we're talking a lot about design. Are there, um, Is there sort of like a typical list, you know, projects and team and press and things like that, they're just kind of the norm or is there are there aspects of, what your clients want to deliver in terms of information or anything else that is kind of evolving or emerging that is new. One example might be, for example, a client who has some kind of an e-commerce experience that's part of their firm, uh, or it could be anything else. So I'd love to just know kind of, you know, is there, any, is there either the evolution of the range of features and functionality or are there unusual things that come up that we might be interested to hear about that would spark people's uh, imagination about what they could do
1: yeah there's um there's a, f- a few things <coughs> and, um yeah so e-commerce obviously is one element um but then there's also semi e-commerce which is where you know you've got your own line of products but you don't actually want to be directly selling online. Mm-hmm want people to inquire um so creating a really luxurious on-brand experience for, for that inquiry um there's also um uh you know, there's been a growth recently in trying to figure out other ways that you can monetize the, the website, especially if you've got a large social following. So there's new technologies coming through. Um, there's a company called Side Door who we've been talking to who are trying to revolutionize how um, uh, affiliates work. So some designers are looking to... Um, Uh, have pages on their site that showcase all the different products that they're recommending to their to their followers and then if a user clicks through and buys that um, the the designer will receive the trade commission on the product so traditionally affiliates gave you like a four or five percent commission whereas now you would be looking at 15 to 30 percent commission so if you've grown you know this social following of a hundred thousands of people and they're all clicking through to your website, but they're not necessarily in the market to hire you as an interior designer, you know, you still get to monetize your style and taste. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And then the, and then the other one, which I I, um, I think I saw a question in the Q and A about is you know video. How do we incorporate video? How do we mm-hmm. incorporate sound? Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, like with the sites, we're trying to create an emotive, engaging experience rather than just showing a portfolio. So, uh, video can be a like a, a really nice way to actually bring a space to life. Um, in the, the mood, the feel, the way light bounces around the room. Um, so yeah, there's al- there's always new exciting things that, that we're bringing into the sites.
0: Right, Tom. Do you want to answer that question?
2: Um, I think there's a lot of question. There's a lot of questions about video for sure. Okay, and um, and I think that our experience might be a little different than Susanna's in terms of product because we do less product. Okay, and less e-commerce. Um, So, the question I ask about video is, you know, what do you want to say? What do you want to communicate? So, sometimes people will say, well, we have to have video because I read you got to have a video on there. And I'm like, well, that could be great. But what do you want to talk about? You know, why why will someone watch this video for everyone has ADD? So, you know, will they watch it for five seconds or 20 seconds? Will someone sit and watch a three minute video? I mean, that's a good question. How many three minute videos do you watch? And most people will say, well, not many. You know, so it's, it's kind of a conundrum, but I think the idea of bringing something to life, as Susanna said, I think is what people are interested in. What, sure. what,
0: what's the most, uh, and you can just answer this quickly, what's the most unusual thing you've had to put into a site for a client?
1: This isn't unusual, but this is an example of a different way to use video than what people might be thinking. So rather than video being three minutes long, we talk about micro video, which is more like a moving image. So we're working on a site at the moment um, and it's an architecture firm and they really believe in the, the conversation between indoor and outdoor. And all of the houses that they build are really informed by the landscape. So to create that feeling, we're shooting video um, more of just the wind blowing through the ornamental grasses as you walk up the path um, or drone shots of the water by the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so it's more about creating that feel um, and also using video to show you know, the pattern that light might make as it moves across a wall can be a really important part of a, of a room. Um, and the photographs sometimes don't capture that. So we use this m- micro video, which is just a few seconds long um, mm. to, to get that kind of feel. So it's, you know, a little different how people might be thinking about it.
0: How are you, Tom? Unusual? Uh, mm, I don't even know how to answer that question. Okay, uh, no problem. Yeah, um, we but can we can keep moving. Um, I want I wanted to uh, I have one last question, then we're going to really dig into the Q&A, which is um, what what's your experience with designer and design architecture firms, uh, then moving to the next phase once the site's built of really watching the metrics, tracking things and working to build traffic? Is that part of the equation that you are close to?
2: Yes, we look at analytics for sure. And I think what's surprising for a lot of our clients is that where they think people would go isn't where people are going. Mm -hmm. So for example, with the um, section about press and awards and all of that stuff, we're looking at the numbers and people don't go there. Nope. so where people are going and I think it surprises a lot of a lot of clients is they're going to the top few projects for sure mm-hmm. but they're going to them yeah they want, they want to see those people and they want to see mm-hmm. pictures of those principles and for a lot of clients who think well the work speaks for itself they really want to look at them Yeah, yeah. and that, that, that catches people off guard it's not yeah. the press yeah
0: how about you Susanna
1: Um, yeah, no, we look at analytics as well. When we're working on sites, um, I find that unless our clients have a dedicated marketing team, they don't really look at their analytics. Um, but, but we do, and we make sure all the sites are set up to, to track, um, analytics. They get set up with Google analytics and Google search console as well. Um, in terms of driving traffic, um, that's a separate conversation. Um, Some web design firms do offer it as well. Um, We tend to partner with other agencies who specialize in that. So um, we work a lot with Nylon Consulting who do social media for um, interior design brands um, and they're really specialists in it. So we work together on brand identity and making sure that um, uh, the look and feel that we've created for the brand through the website rolls across traffic driving initiatives, um, but other agencies that manage that.
0: Well, maybe we'll come back to the uh, traffic driving as the next expert access uh, yeah. sometime in the future, because obviously if you build a site, you want people to come to it. So that's probably a corollary to this conversation. I'm gonna ask, you know, going to the q and A, I I I think we all have to just sort of confront this issue. Can you give us a range of budget that would reflect kind of how people could think about just um, you know delving into this process. What, what's kind of like the low and the high, depending on you know uh, maybe size of firm or ambitions of the project? Help us understand that.
2: Well, that's kind of like asking the question: How much is a house cost?
0: Yeah. No, I know it's a tough one. Yeah. But uh, but I think that the you know for some people on, on the on the webinar here. Um, you know, $15,000, dollars $50,000 could be a lot or a little, $100,000. I, I think just scaling this would be interesting just so people can imagine when they pick up the phone and call you or someone else that they, you know, uh, have some preparation, you want, much like a, you much want like them a client that to- goes, looks around their neighborhood and goes, well, if I'm moving to this neighborhood and building a house here, it's probably going to cost me $5 million.
2: Right. Um, I think that and I think that that my perspective and Susanna's might be different if you're talking about e-commerce. So most of the sites we do for architectural firms, interior design firms that are not talking about e-commerce. Mm-hmm. I mean the low end the low end is thirty thousand dollars. okay mm-hmm. So I would say most are in the thirty to fifty thousand dollar range. Um, and then if you're talking about writing, if you're talking about portrait photography, if you're talking about a lot of that stuff, then that stuff kind of adds adds up, okay? Yeah. So for someone that says, oh, I just want a little site, so can it be like $15,000, you know? It, it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah,
0: how about budget for you, Susanna?
2: Um, I guess
1: not dissimilar to, to Tom's, um, maybe a, a little cheaper, so about 20 to 40. Um, and then e-commerce um, obviously is a, like a different ball game. Um. We, we do have a part of our business that does offer Squarespace sites to clients who have got smaller budgets, um, although we really only do those if they really, really can't stretch to the, to the custom budgets. Um, and so those are more like around 10. Um, but if I personally, I think it's better that you wait a little longer and do the custom site, because if you do the Squarespace one, you're normally back wanting a custom site
0: within a couple of years. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, We have a question here about uh, examples of designer and architecture firm websites that you find particularly compelling. I know that our plan after this um, uh, discussion is to uh, collect from you um, examples of sites that you've built that you think are representative of your work that we intend to share. And answering another question, we'll attach to that uh, follow-up communication, the name of the affiliate uh, site that uh, Susanna recommended. So people have information here. Are, th- are there sites, though, generally, you know, either within the design and architecture world or maybe, you know, in the larger world that you all find just really exciting that you come across that that might be places where you get inspired uh, to to learn about what's happening in web design right now? you could share and of course we'll note these and we'll also include these in the Uh follow-up
1: well um i mean the, the best the best sites are the ones that are truly you know authentic to the brand so um there might be sites that we love but they're just not appropriate for the brand um and also a lot of it comes down to aesthetics like we've got designers here who just love a minimalist completely empty website and then we've got other designers who love you know color and pattern and so it's it's really uh, the, the sites that that talk to the you know specific style of the client and in terms of inspiration and um, Well, a lot of my team are European, so we actually follow a lot of European web design trends, which are different to what we see in the U.S. So that's kind of interesting because we get new ideas there Um, and we also look outside of this industry um, for inspiration. So there's a couple of sites that we like, which I can send the link through to. One of them is called Site Inspire. Dot com which is uh, run by a developer in the UK. Um, and there's some great inspiration there. You can see what a lot of different designers across Europe are doing. And then the other one is called awards.com. And that's spelled with three W's like www. Dot. Um, and that, that one's, that's great as well. And some of the ideas are like too far out there in terms of usability, but you know, it, it lets you see like what's coming through and what things yep. to experiment with.
0: Well, we'll add those to the follow-up email so people don't have to scramble to write them down. We'll collect all of this and, and share it. Uh, Tom, what about you for, where do you get inspiration or where would you point people?
2: Well, this sounds like a cheesy answer, but I always get inspired by the clients. So I tend not to look around a lot um which sounds wrong but um but when i do we tend to look at I, t- I like things sites from scandinavian countries because it has a certain kind of reserve um and from sites from other parts of the world for sure you know it just gives you a different perspective typographically you look at stuff from switzerland their sense of typography it's just so it's just different right. you know it has a we certain- did
0: have a quite on that topic we did have a question about the relationship between typography and the larger world and then typography for web design. How big a gap is there in terms of the tools that are available
2: to you? Oh, I think it's narrowed dramatically. I mean, years ago, it was a nightmare. You know, you just, you couldn't get anything that looked good, you know, yeah. but now you can get web versions of fonts and it's pretty darn amazing yeah. now, so. Yeah.
0: And I think the last question, I think that will maybe cover us off here a little bit is just, when you think about the team surrounding this, we you mentioned that there's sort of a traffic driving element that relates to perhaps PR or social media and things of that sort. We, I think it's a great idea to come back to that. Uh, but the other is for SEO, is that typically something that you see design firms bringing consultants in to help really dig deep at this? Or is it something that's more when you, you build it as part of the building of the site and then just expect that to kind of you know hold, hold
2: it I, I think we're going to have different answers to this question, but um, the majority of our clients will say they don't care about SEO. Mm-hmm. All their business is referral; it's not important. So we build in standard SEO practices, all that stuff, um, because you know you can't be invisible for sure. Um, but most people are not googling "fabulous designer" in wherever you know. So it, it's not; it's less of an issue. I think it's different. you're talking about e-commerce, for sure.
1: Um, Yeah, no, we we work on SEO. So um, the sites are fully uh, SEO'd to start off with. Although Tom's right, most of our interior design, well, the bigger firms anyway, aren't so bothered about SEO, but they still need to have it. Um, but um, one part of SEO that people don't always take into consideration is um, the um, things that Google is looking at. So um, like site speed, mobile first yeah. indexing, and then mm-hmm. also the, the big thing that's going to be coming through in the next couple of years is ADA compliance mm-hmm. as well. So there's a lot that goes into SEO that's not just keywords um, and uh, if you're working with a good web design and development firm d- like Dyad or us or that we're going to think about SEO as part of the project, if you're working with a firm that's telling you you've got to hire someone else to do SEO. Like, in my, in my opinion, you know, that's like a crucial building block of the site. So to leave it off and not think about it at all, you know, even the basics, I, I think they would be doing you a disservice.
0: Well, this that's all very good advice. And I think with that, um, we're kind of running out of time here. So I want to thank uh, Suzanne and Tom for their you know very valuable insights here. It's fantastic to have DLN members sharing with other DLN members. And so we just really appreciate Uh, all the time and and, uh, effort you put into thinking about this with with our group here. I want to mention that uh, when you look out to June 10th, the DLN's business forum, we'll be coming back to a related topic, which is sort of the digital transformation of the industry itself as a whole, as one of our topics. So I think that's a component of this whole conversation here. Uh, So look forward to that on June 10th. And then next month's uh, Expert Access will feature Bill Fulton, who's a director of Rice University's Kinder Institute for Urban Research. And he's going to join us bringing, uh, with Becky, uh, bringing uh, a really updated look at the uh, movement of wealth around the country. And you might think this sounds esoteric, but essentially as wealth moves, our projects move. And so we're going to be looking for insights into understanding where projects may be in the future, attitudes and um, information about you know, the movement of, uh, of our population and what that means for the future of our business. So I look forward to that. And um, thank you all for being here. And I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, Expert
2: Access today. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.